It's high noon in Toronto. Welcome back to Toronto Today. I'm Andy McNamara with you for another hour, 1220. As you heard Tristan Fitzpatrick tell you there on the Sports Center up, the Adam Rank NFL Network fantasy analyst, one of the best in the biz. You got a fantasy football question, draft advice, tips? You can tweet me at AndyMC81. Also, vote in our Twitter poll at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Now clearing the 1200 vote mark of if you were Leafs GM and had a part ways with a key piece to improve the decor, get a top D-man, who would you trade away? Kadri, Nylander, Gardner, or Marner? Jake Gardner leading the way at 66%, then Nylander, Kadri, and Marner after that. We'll revisit that in a few minutes. But I want to get to Brian Baldinger. He was on the morning show. And Baldinger, they call him Baldy, NFL uh, lineman for many years. If you look at Baldy, you'll know Baldinger if you look at his fingers. Like his pinky finger on his one hand shoots out at a sharp 90-degree angle. His mind, when watching tape, is phenomenal. And one of the more interesting NFL offseason storylines is the rookie quarterbacks going through. First overall pick, Baker Mayfield with the Browns. Then you have Sam Darnold to the Jets at third overall. Josh Allen at seven. Josh Rosen to the Cardinals after that. How are they developing? Any of these guys ready to start day one? And what, what's the progression been like? Uh, Baldinger, again, was on the uh, morning show. And he spoke about Baker Mayfield earning the opportunity to start for the Browns. I think he does things better than Tyrod has ever done. I think he's more accurate down the field. I think he throws a better deep ball. Cleveland looks at it differently. That's fine. That's their choice. But, you know, Houston thought they were doing this, the right thing last year by starting Tom Savage until they put Deshaun Watson out there on the field and the <laughs> team took off. And I, and I think I'm not saying that Baker's going to be what Deshaun Watson was in six and a half games, but I think they'll be surprised by just how the team responds and how he moves the team. And I like that take from Brian. However... Tyrod Taylor is infinitely better than Tom Savage was. Tom Savage is horrible. He was a mid-round draft pick, just a guy. And as a placeholder, similar to what the Chicago Bears tried to do with Mitch Trubisky last year with Mike Glennon. Also, horrible quarterback. Made a ton of money, though. And he could not allow the rookie at the time, Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson, to sit on the bench, the coaching staffs, because they were so bad. And then they came in and lit it up. The difference is Tyrod Taylor, first preseason game, he literally had a perfect quarterback rating. Five for five and a touchdown. And people are saying, well, Baker was great. Well, Tyrod Taylor was also great. And listen, I'm not a Tyrod Taylor apologist at all. In Buffalo, remember, with pretty much no offensive weapons outside of LaShawn McCoy, And outside of last year, you had Rex Ryan, who hates quarterbacks. He loves defense. He loves handing the ball off. Does not develop quarterbacks. Hasn't developed one in his whole life. Mark Sanchez was an anomaly for a couple years, and then he just faded away. With the butt fumble, too. For Baker Mayfield and for Tyrod Taylor, Taylor, on one-year deal, has never been surrounded as a starter with as many weapons as he has this year on the Browns with Jarvis Landry. The all-time, the most catches in the first four seasons of his career in NFL history. NFL's been around for, what, 99 years? Yeah, that's pretty good. Josh Gordon coming back. Antonio Callaway. Running backs. If you don't have to rush the rookie in, you don't. And that's why the comparison to uh, Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson, I don't buy just because there's 
a much better quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, who's not going to lead you back. If you're down by four points late in the game, at least at this point in his career, Tyrod Taylor's not the guy. He can't come back to win you a game late, but he's also not going to be the reason you lose a game. And for a team with one win in two seasons with Cleveland, you want to get off. You don't have the luxury to start off 0-4. you got to get a couple wins quick. Change that culture. Then it's a one-year deal. And the idea being, you do what Kansas City did with Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes. Smith comes in. Mahomes learned. Now Mahomes is going to be the starter. I'm not sold on him either. But then Baker, who has looked tremendous. The footwork of Baker Mayfield in the preseason games. Folks, take, take a look. If, you're, if you can, can appreciate the technical soundness of a quarterback, the movement. There's happy feet where you see guys bouncing around and patting the ball. That's not good. Baker Mayfield, it's almost like he's doing like a, like a dance in the pocket. Up, down, always looking downfield. Never checking down. Staying poised. Not tucking the ball and running. So that's why, even though he's doing well, not going to hurt to have Tyrod Taylor go in. And believe me, if he loses or when, when and if the Browns are out of playoff contention, they'll pop Baker in. And he'll get his chance. But Baker Mayfield, very impressive, and Brian Baldinger certainly agrees on that. Now, the third overall pick, Sam Darnold, another very good quarterback situation for two teams not known for that. Cleveland now has a great room. So do the New York Jets, who have been a wasteland for quarterbacks. Now you got Josh McCowan, the steady veteran, play essentially a player coach, always gets hurt but can still play. Then Teddy Bridgewater, the wild card, off of his knee exploding a couple years ago, he's back. He's looked solid. But Sam Darnold has impressed. Big body guy, mobile. I don't think he's been as technically sound as Baker, but he checks all the boxes. Baldinger spoke about, hey, if Darnold, if he, if he can land the Jets job. I think it's Sam Darnold's team. And I think Sam has demonstrated in two games, and I think he'll continue to demonstrate that he's more than capable of leading this team. I don't think they're going to put a stopgap in there between. I think they're going to start him. He's shown that, you know, he's uh, the big the big question mark coming out of USC was ball security. Would he take care of the football? He's done that in two games so far. And uh, he looks like he's, he, he, he just looks like he's ready, just the way a lot of these guys are ready. I mean, the way Matt Ryan was ready and Joe Flacco was ready, he just looks like he's ready to go. And, yeah, we saw Sam Darnold, and that's who I liked. He was... He was my top quarterback coming out of this draft in a very close class between him, uh, Baker, Allen, and Rosen. Each one has their flaws. But Darnold was ball security. His hands measured out the appropriate length, just under 10 inches. What Darnold did, though, in camp, in his training day, through the combine process, was practice ball security. He worked with, uh, out in California on that. And he's improved. It's something where, with Sam Darnold, it wasn't that he had small hands and he'd take a snap and he'd just bobble the ball. He had, like, tiny little children hands. No, it was he was sloppy with it. He would hold the ball out to the side when he was moving around, and it would get knocked away. All you got to do, tuck the ball. And he's learned that, and that's why Sam Darnold could be a day-one starter. Again, just like in Cleveland. If I'm the Jets, I would want Josh McCown to start the year. He will get injured. He will. He's had multiple broken collarbones in the same season. Ankles, knees, whatever. He will get hurt. Have McCowan in. Let Darnold learn. The real interesting point comes down to Teddy Bridgewater. For, for once, the Jets have a, a plethora of options at quarterback. So if you think Darnold is close and McCowan can be the bridge and then the player coach, well, you don't need Teddy Bridgewater 
I wonder what the Jets are going to do about that. Brian Baldinger says, hey, the, the Jets should be taking trade calls on Bridgewater. So if I'm the Jets, I'm just making phone calls to teams that might be a little quarterback needy and uh, seeing if Teddy Bridgewater, what he could fetch on the open market. And so I think that's where they're at right now. And I think that to be more than willing to just keep Josh McCown as the backup quarterback. Join and, and Josh McCowan. I mean, let's face it, that guy, his his arc for the rest of his career, and it's an important job, is to be that steadying influence at number two. Yeah, and that was Matt Cause on Landsberg in the morning. Yes, um, that is what Josh McCown at this stage in his career has been and can be. He is the con when he was in Cleveland, the consummate team guy. He's going to be a great head coach one day and start off, you know. OC or quarterback coach. But that's the mindset. Not everyone's built that way. Not every quarterback, even if at the end of their career, can be like, okay, I'll take on the mentor role. Not everyone's built for it. Josh McCowan certainly is. So what do you do with Teddy Bridgewater? And right now, you look around, it's like, okay, is anybody desperate, desperate for a quarterback, a starting quarterback? No. Not yet. Could teams want to improve? Sure. But heading into the third preseason game and have to teach someone an entirely new playbook isn't the time to look for improvement. That's more of an offseason move. What happens is if somebody goes down, especially leading into this third preseason game where the starters are going to play for over a half and likely someone's going to get hurt. You hope not, but someone's likely to get hurt. So if you wait and you're the Jets, maybe you can land a Sam Bradford type situation where the Eagles traded him to the Vikings for a first round pick. Right? Injury was had. Funny enough for Bridgewater. Went down, needed a quarterback. Now they traded for a guy who was as brittle as they come in Sam Bradford. But that's where the Jets are going to be able to make hay. Can you get a first round pick for Bridgewater? That might that's that's going to be a stretch coming off that knee injury. But if you feel comfortable enough with McCowan, with Darnold, at quarterback, then maybe you trade him for a second. Who knows? So that'll be be something to follow some news out of the Buffalo Bills camp. A.J. McCarron, who was thought to have suffered a a hairline fracture collarbone in the second preseason game against the Browns last week, is returning to practice. It was a second opinion was had. He did not break the collarbone. And he is in. The problem being, I wonder if that is just a little too late for McCarron to come back to win the starting job. This is a huge game for Josh Allen. Again, seventh overall pick, biggest arm in the draft. Can job. He can throw it the length of a football field. Guys, incredible. His issue has been accuracy and touch on the short to intermediate passes. His mobility is great. I thought he's improved his, his footwork and his technical skills the whole way. Going back from Senior Bowl, Combine, off-season, training camp. Like, this guy keeps improving. When you get that third preseason look, when he's going up against the ones which Josh Allen has not done, how does he look? If he shows well, I think this competition's over. And then you have Allen as the one, McCarron backing him up again after spending all that time in Cincinnati as the backup. And then you have Nate Peterman, Mr. Five Interception, behind that. So this is a... Big day or coming up this week for the third preseason game for for Josh Allen there. So 
it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to go through. We're we're going to talk some fantasy football with Adam Rank in a few minutes. Again, if you have fantasy football questions, you can tweet at AndyMC81, Adam Rank of the NFL Network. Let's bring on producer Joe Narsa. Joe, when we're looking at getting ready for Adam Rank here, fantasy football, when you look at quarterbacks and how this year is built, um, of course you're going to want, you know, you look at Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, but there's a lot of guys who consistently get overlooked that are, are consistent fantasy football producers, like a Phil Rivers, like a Ben Roethlisberger, and I wonder if anybody's going to be taking a shot on some of the rookies, depending on who they start. The rookies kind of scare me a little bit this rookies year. Rookies make mistakes. It's, and you don't have a lot of, you don't have very mobile rookies this year, so you don't have guys that can carve up and eat up some yards on the yeah. field, so you can't get the garbage points. I mean, it's easy when you look at, for ex- okay, you could gamble on Deshaun Watson as a rookie because you know he can put up like 7 to 10 points just on the ground. Right. So, and, and then even in a, yeah, he can he can scramble and pick that up for you. And that helps, whereas the, the quarterbacks this year, they're very pocket presence guys. They know how to, they're elusive, they can get out of the pocket and they can get, you know, 5, 7 yards if they have to, but you don't have, like, other than... The takeoff guys, that, that's a good word for it, Joe, the elusive, where you're moving around, you can shake guys off, or you can step up in the pocket and be shifty enough, but you're not going to necessarily take off. Yeah, exactly. Like, and there's quarterbacks that people don't really look at and look at as elusive, but like guys like Aaron Rodgers, even Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger, are elusive yeah. in the pocket. Oh, yeah. They can move around and they'll get a couple yards, maybe even squeak out a first down, but they're not going to be completely gone. Like other than Lamar Jackson, who I don't even know if he's going to start. Oh, no, he 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 won't start. But Harbaugh said he'll be used in some packages, so we might be seeing like a throwback to 2007, like some Wildcat stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the only the the quarterback that intrigues me the most. As like a dual threat, at this point, who's lower lower in the rankings for a quarterback is Jared Goff. Like you're gonna hold mm. off, I would hold off and grab Jared Goff because he has the ability to be mobile. And with Gurley, I think they're gonna mix it up a little bit in the sense that you probably have a little bit of kind of the QB option every now and then because defenses are gonna force on Todd Gurley and try and like box him up. And reports too that Gurley is going to get thrown the ball a lot more, which again, if you're looking at from a fantasy perspective, completions matter, right? Yeah, you yeah, want the absolutely. sure thing. And you have a quarterback there who has a lot of weapons who last year was able to prove that under pressure he can do it. And this is going into, I believe, his third season. Third se- and Joe, he's being underrated. This is a good point. He threw for 30, over 3,800 yards last year, 28 touchdowns, just seven interceptions because of those high percentage throws. And he doesn't run a whole lot, but he's another guy who's a little shifty and has enough weapons around him where he doesn't have to put the team on his back where you would force mistakes yeah. through the air. And then you cut down interceptions, fantasy value goes up. That could be a nice late-round pickup, Jared Goff. And for me, two quarterbacks that I think people will reach on and you can hold out and go out and get a Jared Goff or go out and get a Kirk Cousins or even hold out for a Phillip Rivers, I think people are going to reach on Deshaun Watson. I don't mm-hmm. trust him. I think he's going to get hurt. He's that type of quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be reached on. And Drew Brees. I feel like Drew Brees tends to be a bit of a reach because of the name recognition. And outside of Michael Thomas, he's not really a big option because of that running back. And that dual threat running back system that they have after week four is going to significantly knock down Drew Brees' ability to put up points. And if you look at last year, there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of games and weeks that he was above that 22, 23 point sweet spot 
that you want for an elite quarterback when you're taking him early in the fifth or reaching yes. late in the fourth round. And he's 39 years old, still threw for over 4,300 yards, but 23 touchdowns to eight interceptions compared to when they didn't have a running game the year before, and he threw for 37 touchdowns. So that's uh, something to keep in mind. Name recognition can burn you. We're going to talk some fantasy football, draft strategies, rankings, and all that with NFL Network's fantasy expert Adam Rank next here on TSN 1050. Busting through the glass back to Toronto today here on TSN 1050. I'm Andy McNamara. Let's get into some fantasy football talk. My guy Adam Rank from NFL Network Fantasy Expert. And he loves himself some wrestling too. Adam, how are you, man? Andy, I'm doing well, brother. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. And Adam, I, I got to tell you, you are a must-follow on Twitter, not just for the fantasy advice at Adam Rank, but also just some of the side tweets. Like, the one I love, and I was keeling over laughing, was uh, Andrew Luck's mustache has him primed for a heel turn this season. It's true! <laughs> he looks like he's ready to hit somebody with a chair. Oh, 100%. Like, this is like, oh, he's turning. Like, if he walks down the ramp at SummerSlam, you're like, okay. He's going to hit Jarney Gargano up the, upside the head with the, with the folding chair. Right, and no one sees it coming. It's perfect. It's just perfect. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, Adam, I, I want to get to uh, a couple Twitter questions here, and we'll, then we'll work into some fantasy draft strategy. So, first one coming from at JCB6. Say, can you ask Adam where he thinks Julian Edelman should be drafted, suspended for the first four games? Not sure if he's worth it with all the time that he's missing. Yeah, it's a tough uh, situation when you yeah. have guys on suspension because a couple of years ago, Le'Veon Bell was suspended for a couple of games. A lot of people passed him, uh, and it ended up costing them because he was so good down the end of the season. But I wouldn't put Julian Edelman in that category. Like, he's good. He's He's great in PPR leagues, and he's consistent and everything like that. And we're, we're seeing his, peep, his uh, average draft position right now going right around the sixth round, which for me is still a little too rich for my blood. Some of the players who will be grouped in there with him are Marvin Jones, who's pretty consistent with the Lions. But one guy I absolutely love this year is Michael Crabtree. Uh, he's got a new team with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens lost. 25 red zone targets with Ben Watson and Mike Wallace leaving the team. Uh, and so there's a big void there to be filled by Crabtree, who had 14 red zone targets last year, 10 inside the 10-yard line, which was top five in the NFL last year. So as Joe Flacco is on his rebound tour, uh, his redemption back to elite status uh, with Lamar Miller behind him there, I think it's going to be a good year for Flacco. I think it's going to end up being a great year for Crabtree. So in that spot where we're seeing Edelman go off the board, I would take a look at somebody like that and uh, play it a little bit safer, look for him or a guy like Emmanuel Sanders instead. And Adam, when we're talking about the Ravens, something that would help Flacco's comeback would be a solid running game, something they have not had in a while. Alex Collins seems primed, and he's kind of falls in, I guess, that maybe Tier 3 running back group. What should we expect out of Alex Collins for the Ravens? Yeah, he's been one of my favorite guys yeah. uh, when doing my mocks right now. Uh, like you said, he came on kind of out of nowhere. People kind of dismissed him when he went to Baltimore because it didn't work out well for him in Seattle. But I think we can point to the offensive line being the main culprit. So he goes to, to Baltimore and gets an opportunity to play uh, to get the bulk of the carries. And he performed pretty well. And I think people are still in that mode where they're kind of not sure – 
what to make of him. I do see that his ADP is kind of starting to crawl up. Uh, I mean, a couple, like, four weeks ago, uh, you would have probably been able to get him in the fifth round. Now he's starting to creep into the third round. Uh, right there at the end, he's going around the guys like uh, Royce Freeman, Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. I would definitely take I would take Collins over them. I actually would like Derek, or I, I would like Alex Collins more than LaShawn McCoy uh, this year. Even though McCoy's got some legal troubles, and there's going to be some shake out of that possibly in the future. I just older running backs like that, I, I tend to pass on. But if you're going to go wide receiver, wide receiver uh, with your first two picks, Alex Collins isn't a bad spot to start when you start looking at the running back position. And Adam, when we, if we jump back to the missing time conversation with Julian Edelman and going with running backs here, Mark Ingram, part of that two-headed monster out of New Orleans. And here's the guy really coming on strong in the later portion of his career at 28 years old. But he's going to miss some time. Alvin Kamara is there. Not that you'd ever want Ingram as your RB1, but is there a chance you could get some value, pick him up, and kind of uh, stash him away for a little while? Hundred percent, because he was so effective last year with Alvin Kamara in there, yeah. stealing or siphoning some of the work. But that's always what Sean Payton has done. He's never really had that one bell cow running back that you can count on each and every year. And the, and the joke with Mark Ingram for so long was the on pace, like he was on pace for a thousand yards. It seemed like he was going to be. He's like one of those movie stars who you think is going to be like, oh, he's a great co-star. Eventually, we'll give him his own movie, and it'll, you know, it'll, it'll be a box office draw. It doesn't work out, and that's kind of what Mark Ingram was. And I think, again, like, he's not going to be drafted very high in your league. I know when you, do, when you look at, like, industry mocks and you look at the ADP now, it's, it's a lot of sharp – I don't want to say sharp people, but it's like the hardcores, like the, mm. the dudes who watch, you know, Ring of Honor. Like, those hardcores <laughs> are always going to be a little bit different. Like, you talk about me, I'll talk Young Bucks. Yeah. and hangman page till the cows come home. But I think for most people who enjoy fantasy football, I, I think they look at any player who's going to be suspended, put up the, the, put up the X automatically, don't want to draft him. So if you're sitting there in the 6th, 7th, 8th round and Mark Ingram's still available, realize that while he will not work out for you in that first month, he's somebody who could possibly finish strong. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that at the end of the year, when you look at Ross, like, oh, how are you able to win your league? You're like, well, I... I snagged Mark Ingram when nobody else was mm-hmm. going after him, and I think he's going to be valuable. In conversation with Adam Rank, NFL Network fantasy analyst, I must follow on Twitter, at Adam Rank, including, including this beauty from the other day that you tweeted out. Adrian Peterson, who just signed with Washington. Adrian Peterson is like one of those bands that was awesome in the 90s, but is now playing Fairgrounds, the opening of grocery stores. But you say you're in. Uh, with, with Washington, really, with Darius Geis going down, so disappointing. I had high expectations for him. You have Chris Thompson kind of as the third down back. Any idea what to expect out of AP? I don't know. I'm still, I'm still drawn to the big name. You know, know, I'm walking know. down Fremont Street in Las Vegas, and I see Smash Mouth playing a free show. You know, I'm going to go check it out. I really, Why not? I'm going to go yeah. check it out. It's free. We're going to probably play the song from Shaq and walking on the sun and all the hits like they still play the hits like right. they're a little bit different they're not quite what you remembered from you know 10 15 years ago but still kind of effective um i i think that there could be some value just based on the volume now of course we're sitting here you know heading into the third week of the preseason and adrian peterson looks like the incumbent and you hope that he can go out there given the opportunity to give you a little bit of life um we still got to see the way things shake out um there could be some, you know, somebody could swing a trade. I know uh, my friend Mark Sessler wrote a great piece on NFL.com today about some trades that could happen, like Amir Abdullah 
could be somebody who's on the move. I've watched the Vikings play this year, uh, and I've been really impressed. Obviously, Dalvin Cook's going to be the starter, but mm-hmm. Mike Boone and Rock Thomas have looked really good to where you, you see Latavius Murray, who had two fumbles against the Jags. One of them they lost, but one they recovered, but he still fumbled the ball twice. You look at Latavius Murray, like, how is that guy not on the move? How is Washington not setting their sights on them? So until we see, until we see who is on the depth chart for the Redskins when the season starts, I'm for right now, like, it's fun. It's a fun nostalgia thing. Uh, your producer and I were talking before I came on, like, Peterson did have that nice game for the Cardinals last year. So it's like, eh, it's kind of fun. I, I enjoy now the, the, the specter of picking up Adrian Peterson in the 13th round, whereas, you know, five years ago, he was the consensus number one guy. Exactly. Get the cheap pop coming out, right, for the old timers. I like it. It is the nostalgia <laughs> one. You're like, oh, here come the Dudley boys. Congrats. You're like, did Yay. I really care about the Dudley boys that much when they were stars? Like, yeah, maybe. But, you know, but now it's like, oh, my God, like the legend of them has grown by leaps and bounds. Exactly. Uh, let's get to another Twitter question here, Adam, from at Joey M. Wilson. He says, 12-team, 2QB, PPR league. Gurley is going to go first overall. Who do I take at number two overall? I really like David Johnson Hmm. rebounding this year. I like Alvin Kamara uh, as well. But I think David Johnson, given the opportunity in Arizona, I know a lot of people are concerned. Uh, He's coming off of an injury, which, again, people just – you got to look at the context. He's coming off a wrist injury. He's not coming off a knee or lower leg injury or anything that you really need to be concerned about. He could have played last year. I, I think that if the, if the Cardinals had been in the playoff hunt, he would have played a lot more at the end of the season. They would have found a way to get him out on the field. Uh, but he's not. none of that's happening. He's their number one running back without dispute. He's their number two guy in terms of targets. Uh, and if the Birds struggle a little bit this year, uh, they're going to be throwing the rock a lot more, which is actually better for him. I'd rather have David Johnson catching the ball out of the backfield than running in between the tackles, even though he's good at both. And you look at the quarterback situation, I really like it. I mean, Sam Bradford, he's got that injury history, and people like to make their jokes, but he's an effective quarterback. Over qu- Quarterbacks over the last two years with at least 15 starts, nobody has a higher completion percentage than Sam Bradford. And if something goes wrong... Uh, as long as they don't go to Mike Glennon and instead oh. go to Josh Rosen. Yeah, but the Mike Glennon thing, like, stop it. Like, I know. I understand you need somebody there, but let's just stop it. I think Josh <laughs> Rosen can come in and do very well for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Mike Glennon, goodbye. <laughs> and, and you know what, uh, Adam, you can go with any of those two scenarios because if Rosen gets in, what's a young quarterback's best friend? Check down to the running back, Sam Bradford. High completion <laughs> Throws, right? So David Johnson in 2016 had 120 targets plus rush for over 1,200 yards. So I'm with you. It's not a knee. It's a wrist. And, yeah, that, that team, I think, or David Johnson specifically, could be primed for a huge breakout. And, hey, if, if you can get him uh, second overall or, or even if he drops a little bit, he still looks like a value at four overall. No, 100%. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that a lot of people get scared off mm-hmm. and, and don't want to deal with that. Uh, and you see, you know, because crazy things always happen in the draft. Like, it's so uncontrollable because somebody will be like, I'm taking Saquon at two. And you're like, okay, well, that just changes everything. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we see that a lot, especially when we have our friends who might not keep up to date with as much as we do. Mm. Uh, and also uh, to, that, to that tweeter's question, I know he said it was a two-quarterback league. I will advise... I'm sure he's done it before, or he or she has done it before. Um, make sure you grab a quarterback with your second 
or third pick because you're so like being in 12 teams, you're so far away that when the runs start, yeah. like if there's six people are all of a sudden going to start picking quarterbacks. And I know it's such a hipster thing, like twirly mustaches and berets <laughs> to, to take the weight on quarterbacks. But in those two quarterback leagues, it is no joke. You got to jump in early on the quarterback position. And last one for you here, Adam, general fantasy draft strategy. And you hit on a couple of great points there. Do you advise going running back first, like as far as, as the, the first pick, depending where you're drafting, if one of those guys compared to a receiver? Because although we've seen last year a couple of those tandems out of Atlanta and out of New Orleans where the two running back system did work, boy, it seems like if you get stuck without one of those, those bell cows and, and in one of those committees, it's going to be a long year at that position. Yeah, but outside of the first four picks, you're kind of rolling the dice, yeah. assuming that you know, assuming Antonio Brown is not going in the first four picks. Sure. And I just... I think a lot of times you just got to have like a, an amoeba type of uh, a philosophy of the, you got to, you can have a plan, but your plan is going to go out the window once somebody takes Aaron Rodgers seventh overall, and then <laughs> it throws everything into a tizzy. So you just got to be prepared for all sorts of scenarios. So if I'm in the top four, odds are I'm taking a running back. Uh, I don't want to mess around with it. I feel like, well, at that point, because of the value, I'm going to go running back in those first four spots. But in a lot of leagues where I'm at the button, where I'm at the eighth pick or whatever it is, uh, I've been looking at receiver, receiver. Unless something goofy happens, like David Johnson falls to the eighth pick because nobody wants to draft him or whatever it is, I like going wide receiver, wide receiver. And then that it comes back around with, like, well, then I'm ending up with Alex Collins and Jordan Howard as my running backs, which is fine as long as I have, you know, if I'm starting my team with Odell Beckham Jr. and Devontae Adams, it's like, I'm fine with Alex Collins. So I, I think you just need to, to go with the flow. And I think the number one thing too is know what your league scoring system is. Mm-hmm. Like make sure that, uh, you know, if your quarterbacks are rewarded with six points for passing touchdowns, that's going to be a difference. If there's no point or no negative points for interceptions, that's a huge thing. Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts. So make sure if your league's a PPR, if it's not, if you're getting a point for first down, whatever it is, just take some time, understand the rules, and uh, just be ready to go with the flow. And ultimately, I know a lot of people worry about reaching for players. Like, you're never, don't, don't worry about reaching. Don't, don't worry about your friends making fun of you. If you have a player that you have your heart set on, it's fine to take them. Now, I'm not saying that you draft Trey Burton in the first round. Have some knowledge <laughs> of ADP. Have some if class. You're sitting there, you know, but like, if you're sitting there at the seventh round and his ADP is the eighth round and you're trying to get too cute, odds are you'll end up missing out. So yeah. within reason. Don't be afraid of reaching. It's your team. Have fun. And I know somebody asked me the other day, they're like, can I draft Alvin Kamara first? And I'm like, of course you can. Like, I'm never going to, like, he's a stud. Like, I'm not going to argue with you um, or anything like that. Or if you have the first overall pick and you don't, you can't figure out, you know, Gurley or Bell, like, just take the dude you want to root for. They're both good. So have fun with it. And, uh, you know, just, just go with the flow. I like that. Adam, uh, great advice as always, man. And people can follow your work on Twitter at Adam Rank, of course, NFL Network. And you're on Saturdays at 9 a.m. on NFL Network. Is that right? Oh, my gosh. I'm on all over the place. We do Good Morning Football on the weekends because uh, Good Morning Football is also going to be on Sunday this Ooh. year. So Saturday and Sunday. So Good Morning Football is on seven days a week. Awesome. I, uh, I do the weekend editions. And then we do have NFL Fantasy Live which you can catch uh, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern. Perfect. Uh, Adam, great stuff as always, buddy. Thank you. Andy, the pleasure was all on this side of the phone. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Adam Rank.
One of the best in the business, folks. Never hurts to sprinkle in some wrestling references as well. Adam Rank on Twitter, at Adam Rank, and you heard him right there where you can find him. Some great fantasy knowledge being dropped on you there. We'll wrap up the show next. Maybe a little more fantasy football talk, but definitely getting back to our controversial Maple Leafs poll. If you were the Leafs GM and had it part ways with a key piece to improve the decor, as in a number one pairing defenseman, who would you trade away? Kadri, Nylander, Gardner, or Marner? Wrapping up Toronto Today next on TSN 1050. Back to wrap up Toronto Today here on TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you to the top of the hour. Then Scott MacArthur takes over on the Scott MacArthur Show. Loved hearing from Adam Rank, the fantasy football draft strategy there. But let's get back to our Leafs poll. And by the way, Leafs or uh, Blue Jays are in action against the Orioles. No score, top of the first inning. Yay. In case you were caring about two of the worst teams in uh, Major League Baseball, fighting for last in the AL East. But our poll question 1,700 votes, folks. And you guys have been animals. I love it. You guys have loved it. You've hated it. You're chirping each other. The side rabbit hole discussions and debates that go after this like there's been people just like calling each other fools on something not even related to the poll directly it just gets nuts whenever you say leafs so the question is at tsn 1050 radio at andy mc81 on twitter you can vote if you were the leafs gm and had to part ways with a key piece to improve the decor so to get a top line defenseman guess what you gotta give up somebody good sorry to break the news you have to give up something good the guy who tweeted in we have like 100 notifications, so I actually can't find that tweet. But it, it was a Josh Levo and Sparks and a, some Marlies for, for a top defenseman. Uh, yeah, that's not going to work. You know why? Because the other teams aren't stupid. So you're going to have to give up a good piece to get a top pairing defenseman if you choose to go that route. The options we put in, who would you trade away? If you had to, you don't want to trade away Kadri. You don't want to trade away Nylander. Maybe you do Gardner, and you definitely don't want to trade away Marner. But for the right guy, if you feel one piece, one defenseman can put you over the top when you have depth at forward, who would you give away? Kadri, Nylander, Gardner, or Marner? Who would you trade? Gardner leading the way at 65%. Nylander second at 19%. Kadri at 13 Marner at 3%. And again, this would be a part of a package, right? There's likely going to be other pieces in there. And without having a particular player, it's so tough to guess exactly what that would be based on salary cap implications and all that. Uh, Joe, this is, this is great. This is from uh, a guy on, on Twitter, Ken, um, who I, he, he was uh, complaining, and I said about the polls, like, oh, it's uh, the offseason. Uh, we shouldn't be talking uh, Leafs. And I said, I tweeted back to him. I said, I guarantee you, you voted for this poll. Um, his description on his Twitter bio, Leafs, hockey, yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, he just responded with, I guarantee I did not vote in this. And you responded with Ron Burgundy going, I do not believe you. If and then you're, lighting a cigarette. Dude, if your Twitter description is Leafs, hockey, yeah, that's pretty much it. If that's what you have, if, if your life is that, and you're, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if that's how you describe yourself as a human, I guarantee you, you voted in that poll. You 100% voted in that poll. Because what else are you going to do in August if that's all you got? I think that Ken Ken guy voted, Joe. What's interesting, though, (laughs) is everybody is responding that is like, oh, you know, this is this topic's been done. Talk about something. There's so many other topics, but nobody actually tells us what those other topics are. 
Because other than fanboying about how John Tavares is going to be playing alongside Mitch Marner and Zach Hyman, the Leafs don't have any issues. There's no problems up front. We haven't seen this team play together. No, on paper, they're set. And, and Joe, the best part, too, is they'll say that. It's like, pick a, a new topic. But, yeah, no way do you trade Marner. And then they go off with somebody else on Twitter. Yeah, it it's is great. It's not like it's not like we're we're pushing for players to get traded no. or pushing for players to be out. We like I love the way the Leafs are made up, and I wish it was a perfect way to keep everybody and have this decor be solid and everything. But ultimately, that's the only problem the Leafs have. They don't have yeah. a good enough decor, and I don't even think they need an Eric Carlson. I think that's overshooting. I don't think they need anybody that solid. They just need a kind of two to four, a right. guy that you can play that can play well enough, that can shut down defensively, and can play the right way. I wouldn't mind a and that's boring guy, Joe. Like a boring, stay-at-home guy who you can partner up with Gardner or Riley. And yeah, but our our point of this poll is, if you do, and I guarantee you these same Leafs fans are saying they need a number one defenseman. If you do want to get that guy, you have to give up something very good. Something you don't want to give up. That's how trades work because GMs are not going to want to take back. Like that other guy who tweeted in, Josh Levo, with, with, with a backup goalie and some prospects. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? So that's why if you feel, and by you I mean fans and the Leafs front office, if you feel you need a top-pairing defenseman, if you Put it on the whiteboard, you're chalking it. You say, you know what? If we get one guy, if we get player X as a top defender, we can go all the way. That's what we feel. If you do it, then you've got to make a tough decision. Maybe it's giving up a, a William Nylander. Listen, players of substantial value, and you tell me who you think is available outside of the four players we mentioned. Okay, okay? I, I, I like this. And this is, this is to prove the point of keeping in mind you have to give up something very good to great to get something great back. Right. So these okay. are like value. Value. John Tavares. No. Just okay. came here. Not not tra- untouchable. Austin Matthews. Absolutely not. Patrick Marlowe. I would. You're not going to get a top defenseman back from Patrick Marlowe at his age. Perfect. Um, after that, on the forward group, you just have Tyler Ennis, who just signed. Andres Janssen, who's young. Kapanen, mm-hmm. who's young. Uh, Par Lindholm, who came from Europe. Josh Levo, we've been down that road. Connor Brown and Zach Hyman. And unless somebody wants Nathan Horton on IR <laughs> and are willing to give up a number one D-man... I'm you, hoping we see that option on Twitter. That'd I think great. I can't wait for that. I'll tweet it in. I'll, I'm going to create a burner account. Oh. Look for the egg, and it'll be like Leaf fan all the time, and Nathan <laughs> Horton straight up Sidney Crosby. And then say not voting in this poll. This oh, poll's Gardner. stupid, Nathan Horton. <laughs> so Nazem Kadri, <laughs> Nazem Kadri and William Nylander are the picks there because... Most of the people are saying, well, you can't trade Mitch Marner. Okay, that's fine. Then you're not, then in that, that, that is okay to say, but you may not then get a top pairing defenseman. Remember how rare a true top pairing defenseman is. The Leafs have always had top pairing defensemen, but they shouldn't be top pairing defensemen. It's hard to get one of those guys. And if you can wriggle one away from a team, which is a question in itself, you're going to have to give up something great. And heck, maybe it is a Mitch Marner. And then you look defensively, okay? Yeah. So Morgan Riley. Uh, here's the thing. You can trade Morgan Riley, but is somebody going to give you, as part of a package, their top defenseman who's better than Morgan Riley back? 
Probably not. No, and Morgan Riley, I think most of Leafs Nation and the team itself probably think of a core piece going forward yeah. as something they need. Yeah, he's he's valued uh, higher than Gardner. Okay, Travis sure. Dermott. I love the upside. He's not going to bring you back a top defenseman. And he probably has the most potential right now out of that roster because you're starting to see the defense basically round out to where they should be. There's, you know, Riley could have another gear. I don't believe it, but he could have another gear. And then we got... Ron Hainsey. Love Hainsey. Love Hainsey. One get of the funniest squat. guys I've ever met, but I don't think he's going to get you a big haul. He's what, 38, 37? Uh, yeah, I believe so. 37. Yeah. Uh, Connor Carrick. Good dude. Fringe 6 7. Not going to get you a top pair. I say that. straight up for Latang. <laughs> yes. And then Nikita awesome Zaitsev. Okay. Let- he makes $4.5 million mm-hmm. until the end of the 23 24 season. Yep. And Nikita Zaitsev did not look great. Last year, he hasn't looked great since that Washington Capitals playoff series two years ago. And I still think Zaitsev can be a nice piece to this Leafs defense. By the way, at Toronto Baghead on Twitter says, trade Jake for a D-man. That's Baghead's vote. Uh, Yeah, like, Joe, here's the thing. And here's the point of you reading that out. Is those are the other pieces. But to get a top talent, you have to think of it from the team that would be trading said defenseman. And they would... If if they heard that, they would hang up. Kyle Dubas would be laughed out of the, out of the league if he went to them with that. Can't do it. So the point is this. Either you have to give up something great to get that one defensive piece that you think can put you over the top and go win yourself a title, or you make do with what you have. And I think the Leafs, as I said earlier, the way they're built, as long as you get Top-end goaltending from Anderson slash Sparks, if they go that route, and I think they should, and take some workload off of Freddie. If you get elite-level goaltending from that position and the guys up front and down the middle at center produce as we expect they should, then, Joe, you can get away with that defense. Yeah, absolutely. And last year, I remember we were talking a lot on Leafs Lunch, and Andy Kyoto was bringing this up. Freddie Anderson was very successful with a high workload. He seemed to be the type of goaltender that when he was facing upwards of 20 to 25 upwards of 25 shots, he was actually his numbers were improving and most of his shutouts came in situations like that and most of his best games came in situations like that. Yeah. That might be fine and dandy because a goaltender is active, he's involved in the game. But longevity wise, we saw in the Boston series there were brain farts. Yeah. And Freddie has never been that type of goaltender during the season. He has bad games. But he wasn't like the proverbial, like, Jonathan Bernier, like, he just doesn't put his knee down and it bounces oh, off his skate. Lord, or, remember those? Where yeah. it's just like he just, just something, he goes to sleep for exactly. a moment? Exactly. And I think we saw that with Freddie in the Boston series because he had played so many games. He mm-hmm. was chasing that Leafs all-time win record, which he was able to accomplish. He was he played a lot of hockey, and he was successful when he was getting peppered. But I don't think that's the situation you want for your number one goalie who is, you know, at least a top 10, I'd say top 10 to 15, in between that range, and if goaltenders Joe, in the NHL. And if you're expecting to go deep in the playoffs, if you're just a team and you're like, eh, maybe we'll make it or not, fine, run your goaltender ragged. But if you want him to be fresh in the postseason, you need somebody who won't be a liability to come in. And Sparks, after winning AHL Goalie of the Year, seems to be as good an option as any to take a significant workload off, and then you still have him him ready, because you'd have to keep Sparks sharp in case something happens. Well, a tweet here, Joe, this is great. Uh, another example uh, from a TML, so the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, 
Lambs Leafs 22 says, um, none on the poll. Stop stirring the pot. And this is what his, so first of all, his Twitter handle is the Leafs. And then he has world's biggest hockey fan, diehard Leafs. You voted in the poll, pal. <laughs> stop stirring the pot. Listen, to stop Love stirring the it. pot, there's one there's one positive that the Maple Leafs have that could forego all of this conversation. I love stirring the pot, by the way. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. You just, I can see the spoon in your oh, pocket right just, now. Just stirring it, baby. The Maple Leafs have an opportunity to do something that not a lot of teams have done and been successful with of recent time, to score more goals than the other team, mm-hmm. and have a goaltender that can stop less than four goals going in on you. Can keep you in the... Not just keep you in a game, but help at times steal you a game. So... If the Maple Leafs are able to outscore, and Freddie Anderson is just as good as he has been, yeah, they have a very good chance of having a fantastic season, and they would have to do something special in the playoffs. They, they could. They very well could. You know what? We'll continue this conversation tomorrow, Joe. Uh, Toronto Today, 11 a.m. to 1. We got to get out of here. So for producer Joe Narson, Steve Eliopoulos, I'm Andy McNamara. The Scott MacArthur Show is up next. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 11 a.m. right here on TSN 1050.